Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in 76ers with your host, former 76ers point guard Eric Snow and two Sixers fanatics in Marcus and Tasia Dash. Believe in 76ers is presented by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is your number one source for all your sports betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Believe in 76ers podcast. I'm Marcus Dash here with my brother, Deja Dash, and of course, legendary 76ers point guard, Eric Snow. Fellas, how we doing in training camp? We're, uh, we have preseason game on Sunday. I mean, things are starting to get rolling here. Yeah, it's here. Yeah, once once practice start, you know those games in the preseason they they go pretty quick. Especially now they don't play eight like we did, so it goes fast. Light at the end of the tunnel, man. We're right here. It's coming. Yeah. Came so fast, it's like it seems so far away. Then all of a sudden it was like a month away, and now we're like now we're weeks. Yeah, I mean, once football season start, it, it, it starts easy. Season starts taking off. Yeah, gets rolling pretty fast. Uh, how um, I guess like in you know the NFL and of course you really can't compare NFL and NBA, but like obviously first preseason game NFL, you may see your starters for like a little bit, and it's like really uh, it's not really taken that seriously as far as for the starters and stuff in the NFL. But like when it comes to the NBA, Eric, like what 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 are teams trying to accomplish within that like first preseason game? Um. I think for the most part, you want to just kind of get guys back used to playing games. So that's why you'll see guys start, um, play maybe the quarter, and then set out. Um, you, and you you usually don't see them after halftime or once they've sitting for a long time, they usually don't go back in. Um, so you just want to kind of get them to feel how a game starts, the flow of the game, the pace of the game, and try to get that game flow. Um, then as the season gets closer to starting the regular season, rather, um, you you may just see that increase, that load increase. You may go two quarters or maybe into the third quarter. So then you can feel how you go into a game, you get your minutes in the first half, you get your full minutes, and then you go and sit for halftime, and then you come back out and restart. So you, you have to get that feel, and then once guys kind of get that feel, you kind of um, – you're ready for the next step. Some guys, you have some kind of injury, you just just stay away from it. But that's that's usually the the motivation for how you get guys prepared, building up for the season. There's a report uh, today that um, uh, Nick Nurse doesn't know if Harden's going to play in the game on Sunday. Some are – I just saw that about a couple minutes ago, but some are saying maybe that means – he won't be on the team anymore by Sunday by, t- by the time it comes around. So, uh, or I, mean, I, say, I think it, I think it means that he hasn't um, been a full participant in the practice. That's how I take that mm-hmm. more, more than you know, the trade could happen. <clears throat> but I, I think him not playing is more not being a full participant in practice and you're not going to put him in the game. Yeah. Preseason game, right? Yeah, I had a friend who's uh, Colorado State remained nameless. He was he he watched the practice for about like thirty minutes uh, when I guess no one was supposed to be in there, and um, he said Harden got in a little bit, but wasn't really doing like any of the scrimmages and stuff. He really wasn't doing any of that. Um, just kind of being kind of very limited, like what like what you're saying, very like, yeah, limited. That's, that's not shocking. That's that's what I expected. I expected him to be there and be a limited participant, especially early. I don't think he has plans on being there very long. I just don't think yeah. those are his plans. But Nurse said he did want to scrimmage. He does want to participate in the scrimmages. Yeah, because he's – why not? He, want to get, he has to get in shape for wherever else he goes. Mm-hmm. 
I know, but it's a tough situation. It's like if you if you're the Sixers and you know you're going to move them, how much stuff do you show them? Yeah, how that's true. Do you have? You know, what I'm especially saying? for a new team, like yeah, a new so coach. It's, it's I mean, almost like coach. you just kind of hey, go go ahead and you know go through some drills and when we scrimmage, just chill out. And also taking more reps from other guys who are going to be the ones in the rotation. Yep. I mean, I mean, you you can't you can't practice him without allowing him to practice and beat James Harden. So that means if you're playing him less, something's up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that kind of ties into our first topic tonight. So um, obviously, uh, been a ton of action and traction since our last episode with the Lillard trade happening. That means things are starting to open up as far as James Harden being able to go somewhere. Um, there was a report that the Sixers felt that things were mended and Harden showed up at camp, seemed to be locked in, but there are also reports that had nothing had changed and he still wants out. Um, then both Sam Amick and Shams reported that the Clippers have been talking to several teams about ways to move pick swaps for additional draft capital with the intention of bolstering their offer and getting a deal done. The Clippers offered the Sixers an unprotected first round pick and pick swap and salaries for Harden in July. League sources say Philadelphia has set a much higher threshold the Sixers have valued fifth-year forward Terrence Mann and multiple first-round picks and potential trade with the Clippers. Obviously, same thing as we, we knew back in July and June, same thing here. Um, uh, but my question to you guys is, how much has Harden sped up the timeline on his trade by showing up and kind of not making things look uncomfortable as everyone thought there was going to be this dramatic display this week? That hasn't happened. I think he's running bleachers a- after practice today, so he looks like he's a guy who's ready to play uh, this year and not trying to make anything dramatic. Um, and how much longer do you see this whole thing lasting before a uh, a move is officially made? Well, f- well, first off, I think if if the parties are willing to get a deal, you can get it done within a week. Um, that's that's if it, all the parties are willing to to get it done. Um, I think him showing up and then showing up, you know, in shape and ready to play has that's what people wanted to see. So it's so it's it's not that anybody has leverage. It's just that okay, well he's ready to play. He just may not be ready to play for the Sixers, <laughs> but he's ready to play. So that may um, change things. But I also think that he came to camp with the same demands that he still want to get traded. So so if you're a Sixers, you're holding out hope that he comes in and say, okay, let's. I'm just going to play this year out and we, we, we go on from there. I think when that didn't happen, it, it became, okay, then, you know, we still have a great opportunity here. We got to figure out how to sustain um, some level of consistency and getting things done and trying to accomplish our goals. New coach, new system. Um, it's no need to kind of bring a guy in that, doesn't really want to be here. Let's get the group we're going to have and try to go from there. I think once he came and he didn't change that, he didn't change his plans. Like you, you have to, it's not that you're honoring his demand as much as you are moving on from a disgruntled player with a new system, new coach. Um, and I just think if, if with nurse there and James not really buying in, I don't think I think this is I think you go from where most people have you projected to be third seed, you're flirting with five, six, seven, in my opinion, if 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 changes aren't made. Yeah. You mean if we keep it as Scruggle James? Yes. Yes. I, we're not a top three team like that. Not from talent wise, just from <clears throat> I just I don't see how um it, it works. I mean, James is talented. I know James can put up numbers disgruntled. He, I, I know he can do that. Um, yeah. I just don't see the team having fun if one of your key players just aren't seeing eye to eye with the team. Yeah. And the constant questions about it too. That's all they're going to hear. I, about I mean, I just, I just, I just think that because you still have a guy that's playing for. At the end of the day, which what they've basically said was, show us you you deserve this money again. 
Um, you already have another starter that you're saying the same thing. Show us. And and you got a third young guy in the same situation. Show us. With a new coach, new system, and then a you know, and an MVP who's gonna get all the touches. I mean, it could work, but I just think I think that like last year they were the third seed. I, I think we're we they're capable of doing it, but it's also capable of going the other way, is what I'm saying. So what's your timeline projection? I I think before camp, before the season starts, he has to be gone. Yeah. Yeah. I would hope well, let within me ask- a week. But I but yeah. I but I would hope within a week. But uh what's the date of six? We got what? We we 19 days or so before the first game. So just under three weeks. 20, yeah, 24, 25th, something like that. Yeah. Or 20 days. Yeah. I don't know if we did 25th or 26th. Uh, under um, three weeks. Between two and yes. three weeks. Just under three weeks. So a team is making a move or going to want to have him bring in before camp two, before camp ends. Mm-hmm. Um, so – I mean, we, we kind of know it's the Clippers are there. I mean, I'm hearing rumors of Miami. Uh, I don't see that. I don't I don't think he's the type of Miami guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, That'd be pretty desperate. Miami would be desperate if they did that. No, I mean, I think if, if, if there's a team that can kind of change the quote-unquote narrative about James Harden, you would think the city of Miami can't, but you would think – the Miami Heat organization can. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, like the narrative about James, not not who James is. It's just how people think. Um, as far as the you know off the court stuff. Um, but it's a lot of guys that played in Miami. We never really hear about partying issues. <laughs> so, true. Very true. You know what I'm saying? Um, so. From that perspective, it is sort of intriguing. It is sort of intriguing to to have a guy like that in in Miami with their rules and how they do things and have have been able for years to get guys to buy in. I mean, they have been able to do it. Yeah. But I still think the Clippers is probably the leader of the pack. Yeah. Um, because I don't I don't I don't think Miami will give the Sixers a Dane Lillard package. Um so, and I'm not sure the Sixers really want to send him to one of your competitors. And the East is going to be fighting for one of those top four seeds with you. Yep. And in some ways, people will probably pick them in front of you. I mean, they just came off the finals. Mm-hmm. If we did that, if we sent him to Miami, would that say a lot about what we think he's capable of anymore. Cause I mean, you wouldn't send a player to a team. That's why no one ever sends players to their division rivals. Cause they're going to, they don't want to get creamed by them. So if you're sending yeah, a I guy, mean, you, rival, yeah, I mean, I, yeah you're, you're right. I, I believe you're right, but it also depends on who you're getting back. Yes, that's true. You want to so, weaken them. Yes. But if, if you're getting a guy back that you think we, this is the dude we wanted, then you can do it. It's just usually not straight up. Usually it may be a three-team trade or something like that. So um <clears throat> I think when the Bucks traded Drew Holiday, I think they they had to know that Portland were wasn't going to keep Drew Holiday. And they just drafted the young fella. If you yeah. if you if you're trading Dane, you're not keeping Drew. Um mm-hmm. so you know the odds of him coming back to a team that you know, so so if you're if you're the Bucks, right, and you're trading for Dane, and you and you're sending them Drew Holiday, the most realistic trade that you would you would think that Portland would send Drew Holiday to would be Miami, the team that's been trying to get Dane Willard. Yeah, that's the first team that would come to mind. Okay, that's the team that just put you out last year. Yeah, so you knew it could come back to hunt you. That's a case of them just being so enamored with Lillard that they just didn't care what what happens in the end. Like wherever he goes, we got Dame and we're okay with that. Like that's Yeah, I just that. I just think that they needed they needed a 
more we offensive guard. Yeah. yeah, I think they needed a more offensive guard. In my opinion, is what they were look. In my opinion, that's what they were looking for with Giannis kind of being that guy. But if Giannis is not making his free throws or he's injured, can we have a guy that can win a series for us? Not just a game, a series. Let me ask you, based on something you said earlier, because one of my I, I get non-Sixer friends always texting me asking, like, oh, what do you what do you think about that? Why didn't you guys do this? Why don't we just send James home? Which is usually what happens before a trade's imminent. Why even have him there if like like you say you don't want you don't want him to see too much? You don't think he should be there anyway past a certain point because it'll just be detrimental to our team. Why not just send him home? But now now that we know he's in shape, all right, Clippers, you saw him. He's in shape. He looks good. Now we're going to send him home and you give us a good package. The one thing I can say is I think sending him home is a contradiction to the new rules where he has to show up. You know what I'm saying? The big emphasis of him having to show up at camp and then for you to send him home is really a contradiction from that rule. Why are you so hard? Why are you putting in rules for the players to show up for the team to tell them to go home? Yeah, yeah, but they're still paying him. So I, they so still I think it's him. some of. I think it's some of that. Like, if if a team is 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 telling the guy to come home, like technically, the, the you know you have to kind of give a reason why. Because if he says he won the trade, but he still showed up, what's your reason for telling him to go home? A trade's imminent, and we don't want him to see our inner workings of our team, new team strategy. Yeah, but 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 most trades aren't imminent. You ain't not sending the guy home for days for a trade is imminent. Yeah. You you hold a guy out if the trade is imminent, and until then, you you can't send him home. That's true. You can probably hold imminent. him out of yeah. drills or certain things, but you can't just send him home. I guess like, you have you, to you're wait. Talking about, you're talking about it being really over. It's really over then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course, of course. Yeah. So, which is like him being there and participating leaves open that hope of man, this might go into the season and not just to go before camp's over. Yes, but you have to prepare as if that happens. Yeah, because the teams that you're speaking that you're speaking to can easily buy out, buy out, and then mm-hmm. you, what are you going to do? Like, you just you got to be too. You got to have a partner if you want to make a trade. Mm-hmm. So if they if they come and you say for instance they're talking to the Clippers in Miami and they both say well you know what we're not going to do anything then you're stuck until someone else comes along so you can't have him at home and then all of a sudden it don't go through and then you be like hey you know what James trade didn't come through come on back <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean which ha- actually I think it has happened before they're like didn't happen like all right like report now. Um, but like it can go both ways too, right? Because if I was the Clippers, I also wouldn't want to play. He's got a Harden's got a lot of friends on this team. He's got a lot of guys he's close to. Probably more guys on this team he's close to than the Clippers, actually. So I wouldn't want to play around with Harden because Harden's made some emotional choices in the past few months, and he can make another one and be like, you know what? I like Bev. I like Tucker. I'm a fan of Embiid. I think we have a chance. I'll do it for one more year. It probably won't happen. I know. But would you want to play with that if you're the Clippers? Would you want to try to, like, test that? And for one day to be like, man, he's having a pretty good time over there. They look like they're gelling. He likes the assistant coaches. He's close with Rico. Maybe he, like, says, screw it. You know what? I'll just – I'm already here. I'll just stick it out here for a year. Do you want to try that? So – you know, I yeah, mean, I, as far I think as at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I think it's all about his relationship with Mark. Is is what's pushing this whole trade, um, mm-hmm. and I think he says something that he don't want to go back on. Yeah, he definitely doesn't. So, yeah. uh, he goes back on that, then you know, that's that's going to be the topic. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other side of that too is. If we wait, if we're like, you know what? Because I know a lot of people say, wait till teams come out of the gate slow. They'll be a lot more desperate to trade. 
But what if the Clippers are not a bad team by any means? What if the Clippers come out of the gate and look pretty good? What if they're like, you know what? Yeah, that, that's why. That's why I don't think it happens after the. I don't. I mean, that's why I think it happens before the season starts. Before the season, because we I don't want it from, from the Clippers' standpoint. Just from the Clippers' standpoint, I don't think them having a good start would matter because the Clippers' biggest issues the last since Kawhi and Paul have been there has been injuries. Availability, yeah. Yes. So the talent's always been there. The team's always been good for as long as we can remember with those guys. It's just been about they win a playoff game or two and then someone goes down and then they lose the series. Like that's happened how many times with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and Pompey did say a few other teams are interested as well, which could definitely force the Clippers' hand to maybe speed it up and, and, and up it. They're talking to other teams. Yeah, I just, I just, I just can't see teams that him asking to go to the Clippers and him wanting to be with the Clippers. Teams asking coming to trade for him. Just don't see it. Yeah. But not right now. Not, not right now. Like not like at the beginning of the season. Maybe during the season, I can see more teams saying, "You know what? Let's go ahead and take this chance." For the rest of the year, yes, I just don't yes. see it right now. Teams doing yeah. that, yeah. Preseason teams have, you know, yeah, you have. I mean, you want to go with the squad that you have. Let's see what the squad is going to do, and then, like yeah. you said, yes, then teams may come and say, you know what, let's take a chance for the rest of the year. He's a free yeah. agent at the end of this year. Let's let's go ahead and pull the plug. But yep, um, I just can't see it right now. I mean, Miami's different it's- because Miami, you know, lost some guys and and they're waiting for Dame, and I think they could take a chance, especially for a year. So I could, yeah. Miami, I think, is a team like the Clippers that can do it right now, that would be do it, that would do it right now. Yeah, the Athletic actually released a uh, projected trade. If we don't work out a deal with the Clippers, it was uh, Caleb Martin, Kyle Lowry, and like two first-round picks for um, James Harden. Would that, would that do anything for you guys? No? No. I still think – I still think – um could stop gas. That's another team that probably get involved, though. I still think it's another team that gets involved. You mean, you mean like in like a three-team deal or like directly with us? Yeah, I mean, is, is Kyle Lowry and Caleb Martin free agents? I think Kyle. Kyle is, or at least Kyle Lowry. Yeah, I have no idea. If he's not a free agent, you can't make that trade. Yeah, because there's no way we can get rid of him at that point. Uh, contract year, yes, yes. And you can both of them. Uh, he is. I, I don't think Martin's is that bad, anyways. I don't think that's really a big deal. We were willing to take on Man for an extra year, so why not Martin at that point? Uh, Martin, two more years, but six and seven million. It's good. Yeah. It's a good deal. So yeah, that's not that. I mean, you hear yeah, him say that's a good deal, man. That's a good deal. The Mister always in somebody's pocket. He's talking about <laughs> something's a good deal. I like. <laughs> I like <laughs> six and seven. It's a player option for the second year, though. So if he has a good year, he'd probably opt out. Then I wouldn't like. <laughs> <laughs> um, but either way, no, I, I think it's. I don't think it's a bad deal. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot not a bad deal from a financial standpoint, but it, I don't know if it makes us better. Two first-round picks. We'd probably flip one or two of those anyway for someone else, though, right? We wouldn't even, like, keep those, I would imagine. I guess, possible. And by then, by, like, what, 28, 29, if it's, like, in the late 20s, then who knows, with Riley, Butler will be gone by then, and that might be a pretty good pick, actually. Obviously, I'd rather prefer the – 27 and 29 firsts for the Clippers because they, yeah. they could be a very different situation than it is now. Mm-hmm. So those could be gold. Um, but if you guys had to put your money on where Harden will end up with, and you guys both think uh, before the regular season starts, he'll be on another squad. I still say Clippers. If I had to guess, I would say he would be. Yeah. I think we're willing to wait beyond the season though. Interesting. Beyond the star. I think we're well. We waited this long. 
Right, but I mean, all the stuff started to get drum, drummed up again. I mean, it, it went dead for a little bit. Now it's starting to come pick back up again, which I thought I know. pretty interesting. Clippers are probably hoping that Harden made it uncomfortable. Yeah. There's a reason why all of a sudden all these rumors start up the day he goes back and reports and is smiling with uh, Bobby Jackson or Rico Hines, dude. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like, they show those clips, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, man. All right, let's – Let's start. All right, let's pick this up a little bit. Yeah, because they are they're messing around. It's like they're messing around over like assets. They're pretending to care a lot more about than they really care about. Like, come on, like you guys have had Terrence Mann as your seventh man for the past four years. Now all of a sudden he's the deal breaker to a Harden deal. Come on, man, like I, that, that's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And in the last two days of Harden today and yesterday, um, he's stuck around for like when the media time came in. When, yeah. when the guys are doing post-game shoot-around or post-practice shoot-around, he's stuck around. And apparently today he did a, a long workout with Maxie for like an hour. That's cool. So, so well, Helps that he's still cool with the players Yep. and coaches. Yep. Um, so that's a perfect segue for her, our uh, next topic to talk about, our new coach, Nick Nurse. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go right into the quotes uh, from the, our, our guys. So Tobias Harris said, I think you guys are going to see this year an off – an offense that's going to be really created through movement, body movement, ball movement, actions, cutting, DHOs, the ball swinging side to side. Joel Embiid on the difference in the offense versus previous years. I love it, and we all love it. I think this is the best way to win. Embiid pointed specifically to the ball movement from side to side, getting everyone involved. Says he never liked the idea of just being a scorer. He wants to be a playmaker. Daniel House said it's a lot more selfless basketball. It's not so much of two guys having the ball. Doc is two guy. Doc is two-guy ball dominant. Nick Nurse is everybody play together. Everybody work for each other. So it's obvious that the players are loving what Nick Nurse is bringing so far uh, while also calling out, subtly calling out Doc Rivers in a way. Um, so my, I have two uh, two questions for you guys. Um, do you think this is, says more about the movement in Nick, Nur- Nick Nurse's offense or how static Doc's offense was? And based on what we're hearing about the offense from Tobias and Beaton House, uh, who's going to have the easiest transition, and is there anyone you could see struggling with this new offense that Nick Nurse has? <clears throat> well, first we got to lay out some facts based on those comments. <laughs> Please, let's go. I love facts. <laughs> the first fact is last year we had the MVP. Last year we finished with the third best record in the NBA. And last year we had a 3-2 lead in the conference semifinals with a home game. Those are facts, right? Yep. Yeah. So if we're going to knock Doc, are we giving him any credit for any of that? Because if we can't give him any credit for any of that, we can't give him any blame either. Yeah. Yeah. So you can we can do whatever we want to do and talk however we want to talk. Let's accomplish that and beat it. That's what it comes down to. So it's just talk to me. It's it's just it's talk. Like I, I'm looking at a Boston Celtic team and a Milwaukee Buck team that, that I feel got better. And, a lot better. And one of them got a new head coach. One of them got a second-year head coach. But we don't hear no shots about the old coach. I just don't get it. Like, if you want to move on, you say you're moving on, then move on. Like, yeah. But Nick Nurse is the same coach that was in Toronto that y'all didn't say how great the offense was when we beat him. I, I don't like it. Like, I don't like when guys do that. I really, as you can tell, I don't like that. I don't think it's necessary. Um, so I really don't care for guys to make those comments as if now that Doc's gone, this is all we needed. Like, what you got to own some stuff too now. So, I'm not with that. That's my comment on that. 
It's almost like they used this as a way to complain about Doc. He's not there. That season's over. So first it was Ben. Now it was Doc. Like, then it's going to be James. So come on, man. Stop with all the excuses. Just play. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, with Doc, we had a 3-2 lead in the conference finals and a home game. That's just this last year. You want to go back the last three yes. years? I'm just talking <laughs> about last year. Yeah. Because I mean, we got Danny House is saying something. Daniel's only, Daniel's only been there one year. So I'm That's saying true. even a guy like Daniel House is saying something who's only been there one year, this is what we had last, last season. So you win that one game that everybody thought we could win. We're in the conference finals. Mm-hmm. Well, y'all should win the championship. Dang, now. We should win the championship now. Because we got a coach that's doing all this movement and all this and doing all this stuff that they like to do. And they can play so many different positions and they can do everything. Then, well, okay, so, all right, conference finals and championship. It is. Yeah. Because he's better than Doc. The offense is better now. The defense yeah. is going to be better. We're going to try all these different things. So, all right. Pretty much the same I team. On the huh? Pretty much the same team on the floor. I know where my expectations are. <laughs> they said it. I didn't. I'm just going by what they say. I'm taking the facts from last year and what they're saying now. You're saying it's better. You're going to play better. If you plan better, then I expect more. Yeah. Now, all that aside, do you think any of it is valid? Do you think Doc was doing too much too, man? No. Do you see a lack of, like, other movement, off-ball movement? I mean, I think you could. I think Tobias could have a gripe of not getting enough touches, but I don't think he's gonna get enough touches this year either. So what's what's changed? Is Maxi and M. Joel not going? And if James is there, not going to shoot? And you got you got a new guy that's coming that averaged twenty points. Is he not going to shoot either? So where's where the shots going to come from in this new offense? Like, at the end of the day, people, you're trying to get an isolation, catch and shoot, pick and roll, post up, all to get a one-on-one or an advantage to get somebody an open shot. That's what you're trying to do with any action that you have. It doesn't matter what the action is. And the better players you have, the more they draw interest and they draw the defense towards them, they opens it up, either opens up wide open shots, cutting lanes or offensive rebounding opportunities for other people. They attract the defense. Steph Curry, all these guys that are that good, they attract the defense even without the ball or when they have the ball, they're they're shrinking the defense, they're pulling guys in. That, that's, that's what you want in the offense. It doesn't matter how you do it, that's what you want. So at the end of the day, Nurse can put whatever he want in. Everybody that's walking into that arena, <clears throat> that's coming to see that game, know the 76ers' number one option is Joel Embiid. That we know. And they want to get him the ball as many times as possible. However you want to do it. Doc had one way to do it. Nick Nurse has another way to do it. Doc Rivers' way got an MVP, a runner-up MVP, and now guys are saying it was stagnant. And the league-leading assist. And now guys are saying it was stagnant. So it could be a shot at Doc, but it could be a shot at Joel's MVP. Yeah. Well, he's kind of taking a shot at it himself, isn't he? I've never heard him complain about scoring before in my life, though. That that's new. 
Yeah, two scoring titles later. Yeah, scoring isn't everything. Yeah, no shit. Because it didn't lead you to a championship? Is that why? Because it just gave you a scoring title? Scoring also, um, um, some people can't maintain it. It's not Everybody's not Allen Iverson, where they have the energy to maintain that scoring every year. So if you see a drop-off, that could be a sign that a drop-off is coming. Oh, they're just trying to prepare for it ahead of time? I mean, a drop-off from 34 to 30 is a drop-off, but it's still good scoring. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. the drop-off could be coming. But he says he wants to play make more, so those assists should be going up a little bit too. Definitely. Well, he, he can't play make less. He, he, I know a, a clear way he can play, make plays. Go get on the block. <laughs> yeah. They, they can't guard you one-on-one. That's the play. They put two people on you, pass the ball. It's not. It's not hard to figure out, but it may be. A, it may. It may be stagnant though. But they'll rather him run around and and be on the perimeter and cut and dive and run, hold the ball up top, and do all this, you know, positionless basketball and do all that and same thing. And people aren't going to double team him when the further away he is from the basket. They aren't going to double team, which makes their defense better. If the, if he's not drawing the defense and he's not drawing double teams, and then the um, kind of answered it, but the other part to that question, the uh, with those offensive philosophies. So your your answer was Tobias. You think he'd excel more at those, or he you could t- see him taking off with that? No, I mean I, I don't. I don't. I, I think that <clears throat> I think from Tobias' standpoint, if I'm debating for Tobias, Doc's offense did make him more of a spot up shooter. Yeah, you stood you stood around half the time. Um, but I don't know how you can put in an offense with movement without him having majority of his shots being catch and shoot and you have James, Maxie, and Joel. I don't know many quote-unquote fourth options that get more one-on-one options that's in the starting lineup. You'll see some fourth, fourth options that are Reserves that come in from the bench when one of those top three or two of those top three are out the game and you see them get more touches like that. I don't know how he's going to get all of those touches and all of those shots in his starting lineup. I don't know how it's possible. So, so like what movement are you going to, what movement are we going to have? Like I'm, I'm interested to see the kind of offense we're going to have that one Joel, is he going to be on the perimeter more? Is he going to be on the block more? Or is he going to be in the paint more? Um, Maxi, like we know he, he can score quick, but how? I mean, are we running? Are we in transition? Are we running a lot? Are we pushing the ball? Are we shooting quick? Like, what are we doing that's going to change it for Tobias? I, I got I guess I got to wait and see. Do you, think we'll see any, do you think we'll see any of this on Sunday and during that preseason game, Eric? Or no, we're not going. We're going to be very vanilla. You'll have you'll have some sets. You'll have you'll. I mean, you'll you'll have some sets as far as what they're going to run. I don't know. They're not going to pull out the whole um, playbook, but I mean, that's the that's what preseason is: is building yourself for the season. So they're going to have to show some of it um, early on. Um, so those first few possessions and. First six minutes of the game will be interesting to see if they all play. Like, we don't even know if Joel's going to play. Um, but eventually, he's going to have to play some preseason games, and they're going to have to get their unit, whomever that first unit is, some reps. I'll tell you who I see with struggling, and that would be if we're talking about a lot of off ball movement, it, it would be James if he stuck around because James, for the most part, dishes and just stays right there where he was. James is not a big off-ball movement guy. He just 
that never has been in his career. So I, I it was interesting that he that he said or but someone. But James said, is also the guy that everybody said had issues with Doc offense. I know that's the weird thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that what was more of a two man game, though. That's a two man game. Harden maybe wants a one man game. No, I don't think Uno. he wants a one man. He, he knows that. The game is Uno, no. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm just saying, like it's <laughs> it's a lot to be resolved and a lot to be seen. Um. I mean, just generally, you covered most of it. I think it does. I think it does both. I, I think um, it's good. To, I mean, it's good to try these different things and maybe unlock more potential out of some of these guys. And I think my guy to, to excel most off of it, I think, was I think I picked Tobias Harris. I, I just think using I think he's so underutilized. Um, and, yeah, some of that, like you said, could just be simply because only so many shots are put up in an NBA game and there's just not enough for him to get a a good healthy workload every every night it's just not unless someone's out um but it'd be nice for him to find easier buckets instead of always doing his pump fake iso uh, uh um game I, i'd rather see him do some off ball stuff and get some easier buckets in the paint and he's, he's so physical when he actually gets down there and usually a mismatch for smaller guys um and for maxi too if he's going to learn to be a little more of a distributor that might you know make it a lot easier instead of just going ISO every time, right? So, um, as far as guys who would struggle, like I already said James because he, he has struggled in that. But um, yeah, overall, I mean, I, I, it's positive. I, I just, but when I first saw it, especially from House, it just sounded like he used that as a way to complain about Doc's old systems, and it's like at least he didn't say, "Well, Doc was here." They all waited. They all waited for Doc to go before they said all this. Yeah, I do prefer yeah, that. I wouldn't want them complaining while the coach is still there. That would be bad. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> but if we were a bad team, you probably would have seen that, though. If we weren't a top three seed in the East, you probably would have seen some of that. Yeah. The playmaking comment from Embiid is interesting, though, because this is the second time he's alluded to that since last, since the, the season ended. Remember when, they, when postseason was over? Uh, when we lost that last game in his press conference, he said he wanted to do more of that. He he sees Jokic and he wants to kind of implement more of that to his game. It's the second yeah. time he's mentioned that in this offseason. And maybe so, we'll which see. which tells me that he wants to be on the perimeter. Yeah, and that's what, what do you think about that, Eric? Not where I want him. <laughs> I'm just saying that's that's what that's what it, if you you're talking about playmaking, like it's it it's just different how how people view the word playmaking like when you think of playmaking you think of magic johnson you think of him dribbling and throwing these passes and all of this stuff if you think of lebron james you think of him throwing passes but also attacking the rim and just being bigger and athletic and finding guys when you think of somebody different like steph curry playmaking for him is not always having the ball it's just his ability to shoot and and how much attention he attracts Setting a screen, even as simple as setting a screen, he draws a crowd um, because, you know, they can mess up the switch or this and that. So when we think of Joel, and and I know he's different than all of those guys, but when we think of him, how do you envision playmaking going? You know what I'm saying? Like, to me, Joel has an advantage every single night. So the more he gets in the paint, he don't necessarily have the block. The more he gets in the paint, the more he has a advantage. That is making plays. Yeah, your positioning on the court can make plays. Yeah, but I've always said that's work. That's work. That's a different kind of work for you to do that over and over and over again every night. Mm-hmm. But that is playmaking. But people envision when you think playmaking that you got to be out on the perimeter and you got to be this this guy is big and he's able to <clears throat> shoot a three and stand out there and dribble and make, like yep. they're Jokic. both playmaking. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Plus, like, 
I guess play at least playmaking for him makes more sense if when we do lose hard and we don't get back like a real, real typical point guard, that we will might we might need a little more uptick from everyone doing a little more playmaking for others. But you know, I don't want to turn and beat him. I don't, and I don't that I don't understand because if you have him, who's an MVP, and you have a guy that you're about to give two hundred million to, or close to that. That's a guard. Then, then what do you mean we, we need a guy to make plays? Like, I don't, yeah, you'll get somebody else. We'll get another guard. If we if James is moved, we'll get someone else. It may be more of a shooting guard and maybe not a, a you know primary ball handler, but you don't have enough with Maxi and James. I mean, with Joel. I mean, if you look at Denver, who won a championship last year, they have Jokic, and we always want to compare Joel to Jokic, and they have Jamal Murray. Maxi is, a, in my opinion, a younger mode of him, Jamal Murray. They're not necessarily game the same, but it would not shock me if Maxi took that kind of leap. No, it's not a bad comp at all. You know what I'm saying? If it would not, that wouldn't surprise me. Because a lot of people didn't necessarily what Jamal Murray ended up doing, especially off of injury, shocks a lot of people. His playoff run. So what? What is? What is the? Like, that's why their I'm stats. Saying, like, their, their stats are pretty similar now. Forget about that's a big what I'm jump. saying. So yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So what? What do you mean? Like the playmaking? Like I don't. I don't get it because we've seen a team win a championship with that kind of. Mode that we have already. But if you're adding up Murray's and Jokic's assists, they like that dominates Embiid's and Maxi's if you add those up. So there would have well, to be because a little... James is the primary ball handler and Maxi isn't. Yes. If Maxi, if Maxi's the primary ball handler like Murray is, his assists would go up. I don't know how much, but his assists would go up. Go up a little bit, yeah. Um and and Joel is is maybe his, he don't have as many assists, but he averages more points. Yeah. So he averaged 20 and 3.5 Maxi did. Go to five? They can go to five. Easily go to five if he's a primary ball handler. It's not easy to go to five if if you're if James Harden has the ball. No, 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 no way. It won't. It won't. Yeah, it would. It wouldn't. I don't think. Um, and then Embiid thirty three and four, and he's been at four for the last two years. Five or five, five or six. That can easily be done. Yeah, if he gets in the paint. There was there was some clips from him at training camp, uh, getting a nice little layup, and it can paint. easily be done too. Um, if James is 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 not the primary ball handler, like if they move James yes. and get someone else that that's more catch and shoot, it can be done. Yeah, um, and I think a lot of that falls in line with the constant ball movement and 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 giving nature of the new offense without James there. I think that falls in line. Yeah, with I don't know, but the constant ball movement isn't necessarily going to give you assists. It's just no one's the no. ball just doesn't I mean, stick. Yeah, it is. If if, if they double on him, the ball doesn't like, stick. That doesn't necessarily. If the ball doesn't stick, that doesn't necessarily equate to more assists from you. That's true. Not, not yeah. <laughs> from from Joel, it doesn't necessarily mean more assists from Joel. It means more people are touching the ball more often. Yeah. I assume that would hopefully start from a double-teamed Joel. Yeah, you don't need ball movement and man movement for that. That would make that would make things a lot easier. Go down there and get the position and give him the ball. Well, they're not going to double him in the they're not going to double him at the three-point line, though, are they? No. So the assists aren't going anywhere. They're not. That's why they're not moving. But we we talk about Joker. Joker plays on the perimeter, but he also gets on that block a lot. Yeah. I watched him in the conference finals and the finals every game. 
and he gets on that block. I'm curious to see what the uh, NBA's, um when we do the season prop episode and what his uh, season mm. bets are going to be for assists, what number they put him at. Can't wait mm. for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so sticking with Embiid, so last topic here. Joel Embiid has finally committed to play basketball for the next year's Summer Olympics. He was between uh, France and USA. He chose USA. Obviously, everyone was really happy about it. LeBron was happy about it at, uh, they, uh, at his oppressor during uh, training camp. They asked him about it. He was really excited. Um, but many are speculating, Sixers fans are speculating, that this could be a strategic move for Embiid to help the 76ers recruit a big-time free agent next year or just recruit somebody. <laughs> but all, but yeah, there's two sides to this, Eric. There's, there's The Sixers fans think he's going to go recruit somebody to come to Philadelphia, but then on the other hand, somebody could be recruiting Embiid to come to wherever they're going or to come to their team. Um, but my question to you guys, do you think this could be a big help for the Sixers for MB, a, a big move for MB to join Team USA and also try to land us uh, another guy at, uh, at during the next summer? Well, assuming this is a guy that's a free agent, but I believe it's that would, it will be too late. I believe by that time, whomever the free agent is would know where he's going. Is OG and Anobi going to play for the U- USA team? <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think so. <laughs> Damn. I mean, it's, it's America. I see a lot of Americans playing for other countries. It's true. And we have a Cameroonian playing for the U.S., so, you know, who knows? Um, yeah, I mean, it sucks because if I had to bet – is it more likely that Embiid can talk someone on that team to coming to Philly or if that guy can talk Embiid to joining his team? I don't know how I bet on that one, man. That's that's tough because that's after this season, which we're saying could be hardenless and with man or that's what I'm saying. And is after free agency starts. Like I so, that's, that's a tough time. I mean, really, it's like but they, they do, they, they do workouts. They do workouts with each other like, before. The right? is really starting, but like that's what I'm saying. By that time, I don't know how. I don't know if spending you, you can you can flip a guy that fast. I mean, because yeah. I think a guy's guard, a guy like that is already going to have the options. Here, you're going to know his options are based on um where he wants to go, whether he wants to stay, who's going to pay him the most, and who has cap availability. Like you, you already have an idea where you want yeah. to go. If you're that type of guy, you already know your options for the most part. The option may come here and there, but that's usually an option that you want to uh, pursue, or you know, comes that doesn't necessarily come out of left field. Like you kind of already know. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm talking about guys of that status. Like this, it's. Some teams won't do it because they just know it's it's not. I mean, you can go ahead and try, but come on, man. I shoot that down so quick. Yeah, flirting goes both ways anyway, right? So if someone relies with uh, – If I had to choose, I would say I would have more of a concern for guys trying to pull him. Yeah, me too. More so than the other way around. Man, look, man, you beat out Miami, man. You played on here, man. Yeah. Look. Your, your body in December and January, man, you'd be feeling great coming out there wearing shorts and stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Someone's like, Joel, why example. the hell would I want to go to Philly, man? Why would I want to go to Philly, Joel? Come to Miami. You'll love it here. We got the culture. We win. You'll be the king down here. You already tried Philly, man. Change it up for the career, for the rest of your career before it's over, man. Why not? I would would be more concerned about guys trying to influence him than the other way around. Like I've always told you, it's it's hard for Philly to get um, big-time free agents. Yeah. Like a lot of cities, it it really is hard to to turn guys, Um, especially when you're not usually offering more more salary, higher salary. Yeah. And it's also like, what are these places offering, and like, what is he offering? Like, what, 
what is he going to say when someone's like, well, what else are you going to give me? Because, I mean, it's, the money's going to be the same. You're not going to give me more money to go there. I'm only going there for you. Like, you'd be coming here for weather, culture, management. Yeah, yeah. Culture. But, I, but I also think that those guys are going to expect Joel to re-up. Yeah. And that's where I think is an issue, too. I'm not doing that. If you don't re-up, I'm not going there. You sign the extension, and I'll think about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, if a free uh, agent is smart, that's the first conversation he would ever have with him about going to Philly. You sign a new deal. Then we can talk. Yeah. I mean, we have him for – Woody, though, we have him for four more years, man. That's a long time. Well, three more and this one. But, like, after this year, three more. But, mm-hmm. yeah, the, uh, I guess the last one's a player deal, but that's $60 million. I don't know if you'll, you know. Well, $60 we'll million how- is going to be the going rate by then, buddy. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's true. That's going to be the standard right there, man. Yeah, that's not going to be a shot, man. It sounds high I right now. The, I seen a report that somebody making, I think they had Luca's name on there, getting like 75 in a couple of years. Yeah. On yeah when, that deal. TV, when that new TV deal kicks in, yeah. that cap's going to skyrocket. That's why I look at a lot of these guys uh, now. because Go ahead. It's only so many players you can have. Like, the salary is growing, but – the rosters aren't growing, so mm-hmm. so the, the the league, you know, revenue is growing, but the rosters aren't growing, and they gonna get more money. Everybody's uh-huh. gonna get more. They gonna get more money. I mean, they they need to um, expand the team, expand it, you know, expand the, the league, and they need to make the rosters bigger. There should be at least twenty guys on every team. And then, like some of those guys that are can be G League players that are on league minimum, they go back and forth. It's like there's no reason why they shouldn't have that. I wish they could impose a rule to somehow help distribute the money better, though. Because you have like the but, league. But it's vet- hard. It's hard. To, it's hard to do that when every team doesn't have a G League team, so they're restricted from that standpoint. But it's vet men and $75 million players. And, like, the middle guys get screwed. I mean, that's been an issue since I was. I know, I know, I know. know, Doing collective bargaining is like this always been, you know, because you have some ownership and you have some agents that believe that a guy should make $100 million and somebody else make a million. There's some people that believe some guy should make 125 and everybody else make under five. It just depends on who you did yeah. them with. Um, yeah. So, well, we're going to see a lot of eyes are going to be on the Suns and the way they built their team to know if those super teams can still actually last for more than one year with the way the cap considerations are. So, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Last, I mean, uh, last. It's not the first time. I mean, believe Miami was Miami was like that when you had you know a couple few guys that were higher salary and everybody else. They signed a lot of guys for the minimum, so that's been done before. Um, no, but with the new cap rules, I mean. Yeah, I'm just saying. But most of those guys, most of those guys end up sort of only being you know rotating rotating role players. And yeah, and it, the, this, the issue with the Heat is that they went to four straight finals. You can do that. I don't know if you can do it if you're not winning and you're not going to find those. That's when it, <laughs> yep, that's it changes. Yeah. Guys are willing to yeah. take less if you're going to win. Yeah. Regardless, though, if NB is to recruit somebody uh, to Philadelphia, it's just cool to finally see a 76er in um, on the USA team for the first time since 04. Iverson was the last uh, current uh, active Sixers player to be on the USA team. Uh, Iguodala was, was, was traded the that same summer to Denver okay. when uh, he was on the uh, USA team in 2012. So, yeah, been a long time coming for uh, a Sixers fan to yeah. Sixers fans to root for a player on during the uh, USA t- Olympics. Um, 
All right, guys. Well, that does it for us. Thanks for tuning in to Believe in 76ers. Hopefully, next week we're talking about uh, what, this, what this offense looks like with Terrence Mann at the uh, at the two. Ooh, <laughs> look at you. <laughs> Start stuff. <laughs> you already bought a Terrence Mann Sixer jersey, Eric. It's on the way. Right. It's on the way. <laughs> All right, fellas. Have a good weekend, guys. All right. Take it easy. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.